This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. I came here for love. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Wild green ocean. Oh, yeah. Buried in my Close town muscles through weekdays and nine to five. That's how man Sam Fender, yeah? Yeah. Very, um. Very spring scene, isn't he? He's, he's, he's going for there. Welcome to Metrospective. Uh, good morning to all. I know it's not a lovely morning uh, in Melbourne's town. Top of 13 today. The winds are up. But I'll tell you what, as I welcome you in, Steve Cleave, having been out there at Tabcourt Park Mountain on Saturday night, well, there were two um, There were two hurricanes, two tornadoes that went through the track. One of them was uh, a real one, and the other one was a horse called Captain Ravishing. It was one hell of a night. But it certainly got hairy there for a little while. Yeah, it's sure did. Good morning to you, Bon. And uh, it was just an absolutely fantastic night of racing. Just it's such a shame the weather hit. Like we moved it from August to try and get away from bad weather. And uh, it came back and bit us on the backside on Saturday night when Friday night's racing, racing absolutely perfect weather. It's a shame it couldn't have held over just for one more night. Yeah, well, it sort of did for a day. Um, we turned up on the track and it was uh, – it, the wind started to kick up nice and early. Um, but we'll play out the uh, concluding stages of the opening race in a moment. Uh, the times were good from the word going. You thought to yourself, uh, what might we see tonight? And then expectation doubled a little bit with the weather. But, um, we, we look, we'll touch on it. In fact, we'll go right through it later. But let's touch on it now because uh, – it's a very, 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 very difficult thing to do. And I can tell you this having been in the game for 11 or 12 years and on a professional level. It's a very tough thing to do to create a buzz in harness racing, which permeates, which naturally organically uh, permeates the other, co- the other codes and, 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 and permeates sport generally. I'll tell you what, Captain Ravishing, he, he did it on Saturday night and um, – I know we've got a couple of poster children for the sport. Ladies in Red was wonderful as well. But you just get the feeling that if he can hang around, Captain Ravishing might might carry us on his back for a little while, Clevy. Yeah, absolutely. He's just got that bit of star about him, he, the way he does it. You know, he's flashy. And I think that sort of adds to it as well, not just the times that he runs or the margin that he won by Saturday night. He's just got that little bit of flashiness about him that sort of, draws you straight to him but what he did was just sensational and uh it's amazing no matter how bad the weather was the racing for the whole night i thought was just absolute a grade yep 100 we might just play out now as we go to our first race to review uh from saturday night british grand finals night his concluding stages with lee sudden getting the job done with the anton galeno trained egret 
and the leader is Revel Stoke. Aldebaran Keepers two metres away. Uh, balancing up, Lindy's Love's coming into it. Awaiting the run was Egret. Turning for home, though, it's Revel Stoke. Aldebaran Keepers still coming. Lindy's Love wider. Egret gets the run through. Aldebaran Keeper hit the lead. Egret's after it. Down the outside, Lindy's Love. Egret shot through, though. Egret took over with 50 to go, and Egret goes on to win it. It's Egret first, drawing away, and wins it by seven metres. Second placing goes to Lindy's Love. Third, Aldebaran Keeper. Constant. Gee, it caught the eye. It was the one that was 40 metres behind at the start. All right, we'll talk about Constant in a moment because uh, that was just outrageous. Um, horse to follow, but exactly how long it's going to take us to um, to get to get Constant where he needs to be uh, or where she needs to be so that she can be a consistent force. It might take a little while, but a little bit of a shock here because Andrew Galino had a couple of more highly respected horses in the market. But Egret has had one hell of a season. I mean, you go all the way back. Uh, I'm looking at these races. Um, uh, Need for Speed, Princess Heat, second. Final second. Wins the Trotters Oaks. Fifth in the Victoria Oaks. Second in the Gold Bracelet. Um, was quite amazing in a way that she got out to $21 because we know with her stunning early speed, Clevy, that Egret can put herself in the right spots. Maybe people have just come to the um, conclusion, all right, she's a half step below them. She can't go with her stable mates like Revel Stoke and Cormier and, and that uh, Elder Baron Keeper might be better than a lot of them. But I'll tell you what, um, she deserves it because she's been all around the mark. Yeah, she certainly has. And uh, hats off to Anton Galino to really get her to peak on the grand final night because um, – I went down and spoke to Lee Sutton in the stables later on during the night. And, you know, Lee said he he was surprised at how good she actually travelled the whole way through. He said previously leading up to it, she's sort of been struggling a little bit, but not, you know, not going bad. But he said Saturday night, he said he he almost clipped um, Nathan Jack's wheel when he went to the inside because she was just climbing over the top of him. So uh, Anton Galino's done a perfect job getting her to peak for the big one and uh, they're the races that you want them to peak for too but uh, Lee was very excited he, he's had a bit of a, a rough trot and uh, times have been tough for him so it was great to see him get a group one and uh, by that salute you could see how much it meant to him as well yeah it was huge it dislocated his shoulder old uh, Leroy there he really <laughs> really uh, gave it the big one but there are a couple of big salutes throughout the course of the night don't worry about that that's why uh, I know we've got a huge amount of really important and big racing uh, still to come on the uh, agenda, including the Inter-Dominion Series and then the Vic Bread Super Series, then the big country cups and then the Summer of Glory and the Hunter Cup and all the rest of it. But one thing I've, I, I do think is really important, um, Clevy, is that each of these moments get their moment in the sun, if you know what I mean. So, 100%. So Saturday night, I, I, I just didn't want – I didn't want people to feel this is the appetizer to the Inter-Dominion because it's not that. This is This is just the first main course. I mean, this was that the Breeders' Crown. So it used to be Super Sunday. This was Super Saturday night. I mean, th- this was not the hors d'oeuvres. This is this is really, really big, important, rich Group One action. And whoever won on Saturday night, they they've they've won their own personal Olympic gold medal, haven't they? They sure have. It used to be the last meeting of the year or the season, I should say, which probably gave it that more of a grand, grand final, final feel, mm-hmm. but. When you look at it, you know, as you say, it stands on its own. It's not, you know, a lead into different series or anything else. This is the Australasian Breeders' Crown. It's horses that have got to be paid up for it from right across Australia. And they're all coming together for their big grand final. So every one of these finals 
you know, that they deserve as much, you know, sort of coverage as they can get because uh, they've been aimed at this for a long, long time. And it's funny, I just looked back through last year's Breeders' Crown. Uh, we hosted it there uh, on Trots Vision and Honolulu Bay and MacDan Quinella, you know, their four-year-old. And um, I think it was, well, Plymouth Chubb won his catch a wave. Act Now again won um, Saturday night. Ladies in Red again won this year in Cypher. You know, it's just such a big deal winning these races and you see the best horses coming back each year for it. Yeah, it was a staggering night of action um, last year, but again this year, and we already spoke about one performance in particular, but there were stacked across the night. We'll go for our first break here on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life. Seven more, well, seven more group ones to get through and nine more races. And the next one, we'll play this one out for you when we return. Susan is her name. The start of a big run for Emma Stewart and Mark Pitt winning the Elder Baron Breeders' Crown Series 25 final for the Freshman Phillies. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. And it's rocking with attitude. She got five metres, Ara Here comes Cognati. Susan is her name's out wider. Rocking with attitude. Clear though. It's been a huge run and she's still got a good margin on them here. 30 seconds for the third quarter. Rocking with attitude led. Susan is her name's running on strongly. Ara Kenny Cognati battle on. Rocking with attitude into the straight. Susan is her name's looming up though. Susan is her name goes up the rocking with attitude. Susan is her name took over with 100 to go and starts to draw away. Susan is her name goes on to score. A huge performance rocking with attitude. What a filly she must be. Third dichotomy, fourth home to Elderberry and Miley. I actually love the little the, the, the music playing underneath the the, um, the race call there. That's terrific. Um, second of the group ones on Saturday night. Breeders' Grand Finals night at Tape Court Park. Melton won by Susan is her name. About I don't know, six weeks, a couple of months ago, maybe. I mentioned this on Trot's Vision on Saturday night, Clevy, that David Moles had said to me the now retired pacing mare in Charnage Stride was the unluckiest horse he's ever trained. Yeah. Rockingham with attitude said, hold my beer. Yeah. Um, we go back to the Redwood. You and I were both there um, and saw what happened to Rockham with attitude uh, when she probably should have won. And um, then. Unbelievably, just absolutely massacred by Brad Williamson and Adawa Kenny on uh, on Saturday night. So uh, she's gone enormous rocking with attitude, but ultimately, Susan is her name gets the job done. So take nothing away from the winner, but gee, the second horse is um, very, very, very deserving of an elite level success sometime in the extremely near future. You, you've really got to feel for them. I mean, I, I don't like getting into these sort of conversations but really what was brad williamson thinking um you know there's there's a fair you know have a crack that's fine but gee to go for three quarters of a lap in a group one race it's just not on that's just uh he did his horse no chances he did the the second horse no chances so uh yeah i'd be uh i'd be hanging my head and hiding a little bit if i was brad for a while yeah look, look i think at the end of the day um uh the one thing we not not for unpredictability. The one thing you, you, that I was uh, sort of discussing with a few people after the races on Saturday night that, and we'll talk about uh, Miss Shanti a little bit later. I don't mind something um, uh, a little off Broadway because you don't you don't want it to get too predictable where everyone knows who's going to hand up to who and um, the script is all set before the race. But um, look, I think I think Brad himself. Um, 
I, I, he must have got a rush of blood. I, there's only the, the, the only excuses I you can come up with for for Brad, who's a, a lovely young man, a really really lovely young man, um, is that he didn't do his form at all. Um, that somebody has that he trusts to give him advice has told him that um, rocking with attitude might hand up, and that you, or, or that you're just simply better than them, and you can do whatever you want and still win the race. Or something of that nature, because um, look, ultimately, Ottawa Kenny, I don't think it was going to figure in the finish regardless. But the, once he'd created that gap to drop in, I think that uh, you know maybe uh, maybe she would have run you know top three if they'd just dropped in straight away. But anyway, Rocking with Attitude was the one that had to cop all that heat and did such an amazing job to finish second. But they are sort of um, slowly but surely, maybe. And this sounds weird because Cognati won the Redwood, but. You get the feeling that Susan is her name and rocking with attitude are sort of elevating themselves a little bit above the pack and we'll compare them to the locomotive when he comes up in a moment. But um, there's, not, there's not much more to say, is there? Uh, uh, rocking with attitude, massive, but Susan is her name. Had also gone huge and by far the stronger of the two qualifiers, I think, and um, is a really lovely filly in her own right, Clevy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, she she went super. If you look down the back about the 600-metre mark when Greg Sugars uh, took a three wide on Cognati, he left Susan is her name a good length and, and Mark had to get chasing. And, and quite often that doesn't sort of help when you lose that length of the horse when you go three wide. You, you seem to be working a little bit harder than you should than when you get a real good trail up on the helmet. And uh yeah, Greg got around into the desk seat pretty quick, which left her out three wide, but she just savaged the line and, uh, you know, she, she just went super and just absolutely deserved the win, rocking with attitude, huge. Dichotomy, I thought, got home very good, the place. Um, and the elder Baron Murray and Cognati, you know, they stuck on very well, but uh, hats off to the winner. I think you'll find, you know, in the next 12 months, I think you'll find Susan is her name and rocking with attitude is going to have a lot of ding dong battles because uh, I don't think there's a lot between them. Um, and I think, you know, draws and runs will sort of decide winners in, in quite a few of these races. Yeah, I think you're, uh, I think you're dead right. We'll get to race three in a moment, but I, um, a couple of ones that you've just, so I know that Lara J farm, there's that they've uh, as good as Cognati has been. I know at least early doors, they felt dichotomy could be, um, at least is good down the track, and I feel like that's playing out in front of our very eyes as, uh, right now. Um, that was a really good performance, and that's been two in a row from Dichotomy, who's been a later developer than Cognati, who's already got um, her Group 1 win, of course, as we mentioned in the Redwood. Uh, I just want to duck back, because we didn't discuss them um, from race one. Elder Baron Keeper was uh, superb, I thought, even in defeat. I know he was, uh, she, she was backed into favouritism, and when they're backed into favouritism, you know, from a punning perspective, they either win or they disappoint you. But I thought she was outstanding. And uh, we do have to mention, we I, I, I referenced it very quickly, but the run of Constant was just outrageous. Constant is a 50 rater. Yeah. So, I... you, you know, you look at this, it's up against some of the best, you know, um, three-year-old trotting billies around, and it's a little 50 rater, and it's just gone absolutely huge. And, uh, yeah, Anne-Marie, I mean, she would have been absolutely over the moon with that run. Aldebaran Keeper, like you said, was huge. I was disappointed she didn't win. I had a six-leg uh, multi going, and she's the only one that I didn't get up. Um, 
and I had that for about, I think it was about paying $60. So I was a bit hurt after the first race, but uh, that's all right. We can move on from that. But no, it was uh, it was a very tough run. I think Aldebaran Keeper is a better sort of sit sprinter than than getting out and doing it tough. So it probably, you know, shows how much, how good that run actually was. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Oh, look, I do think she can do that. I do think she can do that. But clearly uh, you're left you know, you're left vulnerable to the ones who are getting the softer runs almost no matter who you are, pretty much. Well, maybe not if you're yep. Captain Ravishing. We'll talk about that later. Um, now, Constant has done this before. Uh, ran fourth. Gareth, all walking. This is very exciting. Are they lollies? Uh, they're AirPods. I thought he was carrying me some lollies. I thought it was weird that he would just carry lollies in his hand like that, but there might be a bit of – there's fruit as well. Is that a peach or a nectar? And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Constance done that before, ran fourth behind, used to be a maid in the Australasian Premier Trotting Sale final for the three-year-old trotting filly. So there's no doubt that there's uh, – that was not a fluke. There's a plenty of ability there. I'll tell you what, before we say g'day to Gareth Hall here as he gets stuck into his, uh, into his latte and his nectarine, let's hear from Nathan Jack talking with Brittany Graham after the win of the Locomotive in the third of eight group ones at Tabcorp Park on Saturday night. He's, um, yeah, he's just a little natural and like, look at the breeding of him and look at the way his gait and everything. He, he's, he's got the world at his feet, this one, and he, 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 you know, he just does everything right and he makes my job easy, that's for sure. But he's, uh... That's not the uh, last time that Nathan Jack spoke with Brittany Graham. Of course, he got a little bit emotional, which is not something where you, you've known uh, Gareth. No. Uh, Nathan Jack for a long time. I don't know if you got a chance to watch much of the coverage on... Saturday night, but after school captain won. A bit. Can't believe he paid four dollars school captain. I don't know if people were watching the same race as I were leading up to that race. I thought that he just drifted maniacally in the Why? in the latter stages. Oh well, Explain. well we'd we'd seen. I only say this: over the last two weeks at Melton, we've seen them absolutely truckload moose Emma Stewart runners. And they've won, 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 and won. So when you got to the Lost Storm and they did it again, I'm assuming some people who'd missed a couple of the earlier plunges went, all right, well, if they're starting to come for this one now, it must be going to win. And so the deluge continues because they start and then everybody else jumps on. And when you have a favourite like the Lost Storm, firm the way he does, others have got to drift, particularly the second favourite. But it did get out to an outrageous price. Out because Nathan Jack, Throughout the week was bullish and saying that if you hand up, you hand up the race. Um, so he was always going to hold the front. Mm. It was back like he was getting the front, the lost storm. And that was never going to be the case. And if you go back, never, no, He was never going to get the front. No. And if you go back to Victoria Cup night when they met and from a similar profile or circumstances, he drew to lead, school captain, and he defeated the lost storm on that occasion. Um, and then I thought his run in the semi was enormous, the school captain. So I couldn't work out why he wasn't favourite. Four dollars was just a gift. Well, I'm hoping he took it. Oh, I, I continually. Well, you know what? You know what, Clevey? That makes my heart happy to know that Gareth has, has made some money out of that. But um, uh, it was and Harry Stamper. Why wasn't he favourite? Um, well. I, I I also thought Harry Stamper would win. I had him on top. But you know what? Again. So Nathan's talking about school captain, but arguably he was even more confident about Cravash Door. And then every it felt like everyone started to go, Cravash Door might just be better here. Might just be the, be, might, might be the better. Because no. in the derby, it would have been, um, you would have backed Harry Stamp if he drew where Cravash Door. I agree with you. So fences like, Rail is God. 
in harness racing. I tell you, I'll tell you the one thing that not not everybody could have possibly known though, is that your great mate Anthony Butt would find the fence. Oh, he's a great gate driver. He's a great gate driver. I think a lot of people felt the problem could be if Plymouth Chubb just pinged him at the start, and then Harry Stamper, if he's not able to get across Hortecam, who's also a quick beginner, then do you, do you get caught um, outside the leader? Does Cravash Door come around and give you cover? So that was the uh, that was the only other reason I thought that uh, Harry Stamper wasn't favourite. But I, I agree with you. I I think they're about as good as each other, and draws between them at the moment. He's going to decide the winner. Before I go, we do a segment on the means test um, with Wayne Hawks and Johnny O'Neill. Yes. It's called Oh No. Right. Where we think about like oh no. a bad ride or yeah. um, if someone's just done something that you thought, what were you doing? And Gareth Hall's about to mention Brad Williams in here. Brad, I gave him a bit of a clip on Saturday. I was like, I felt so sorry for the connections of Miles as Philly because she was decked um, and Greg Sugars didn't mean it, but no. he made sure that. She didn't win the Redwood. I thought she would have been in the finish. I don't know if she wins, but she goes she, close. She wins. Yeah. And Brad Williamson, and I like Brad. He's a good man. He's and, a lovely young man. I just mentioned was, that. What was he thinking? It was one of the worst drives I've ever seen on a big stage, and he should get six weeks for that because he never gave his horse any opportunity after going 200 metres. When the front's not there, you've got to ease back and you can't go that lead time. That was just incompetent. Before I let you go, Giddy up, and is, is that a nectarine or is it is it not? It's a nectarine. It's a nectarine. I love a nectarine. Do you agree? Was it incompetent? Y- yes, but I. So the point I made a moment ago, and we're never going to get to the bottom of this, but there's only two potential scenarios. One is he just absolutely ha- like has no idea about Australian form and hasn't had a look, or more worryingly, and I hope this isn't the case that somebody somewhere who he trusts the council of has told him that he can do that in that race and he'll end up winning. No, he's smarter than that, Brad. We'll have Anthony Butt on Facing the Breeze tomorrow, and I know he's his mentor, so I'll get stuck in Ants, but if he did recommend that to him. But I don't think Ansel tried. What try, was he doing? Ansel tried too hard to defend that. It doesn't really matter. If you're going that quick and there's no front there and he still goes on with it, he's just like, he gave you, after that horse had no chance, even if he dropped back onto the leader's back to finish in the well, money. How big was it? How big was the second horse? Well, then? It should have won. Well, but it's... that's just incompetent. It's very best. I haven't seen a drive like that. That's just a brain fade for quite some time. I, I was on track for one that was slightly worse about seven years ago. And I'm not going to mention it, but I think most people at home will know what I'm talking about. Um, just mention it. Well, that's quite some time. Yeah. I, I think, I think we know. <laughs> Well, I can't. Re- I can't recall. It was in a Breeders' Crown too, I reckon. Seven years ago. Oh, about that. Huh. I don't know, but that was. Millie Perez ended up winning the race. See if you can work no, it out from there, I, Gareth. I can't remember what happened last week, let alone seven years ago. <laughs> but I just, I love Bradley. But what was he thinking? What did happen last yeah. week? Let's go for uh, the news, find out what's happening in the world, and then Steve Cleve gets his opportunity to jump back in and talk about race three on the card, won by the locomotive, and uh, yeah. It was uh, it was a good win. Uh, whether he's up as good as the Phillies, we'll find out from Clevey what his opinion is in just a moment. Stick with us here. It's a retrospective edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on Bottle fish, catman, catfish in the bottle, man. Who? DMX. 
Yeah, mate, I should say that. Uh, thought they were still in the Britpop era for about another 20 years here in Australia. Um, yes, uh, Clevy, uh, lovely little, um, lovely little uh, t- cameo performance from our man Gareth all rolling in with his nectarine. I think we might get to race three now, won by the locomotive. Uh, just an absolute class above. Great drive, Nathan Jack. Great training performance, Wayne Potter. I must admit, I was in the camp of thinking maybe he'd um, he'd fired his his biggest artillery earlier in the season, but um, he was able to win here and win very comfortably. Critically, though, and I wouldn't mind your thoughts where where they all sit. The locomotive, rocking with attitude. Cognati, Susan is her name, and all the rest of them, because there's no doubt in the world, at least in my opinion, that the Phillies' uh, addition of the Breeders' Crown for the Juveniles was stronger than the Colts and Geldings' much. Yeah, no, no doubt in my mind either there. Bond, uh, the locomotive, was, was excellent winning his uh, final. Like you said, perfect drive by uh, Nathan Jack. Got off the fence at the start when Stevie G galloped, uh, worked around, found the front, dictated terms, and and won it quite comfortably. But even the times sort of tell you how uh, how much difference there was. There was over three seconds difference in the two finals, and I mean he's had nine starts, six wins, and won three Group Ones. So I'm not knocking him in absolutely any way at all. But I do think the Phillies have def- definitely got the edge on him now. Yeah, I'd. I'd... I think so. Um, having said that, when you win as dominantly as the locomotive, well, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a little tiny bit hard to tell. Maybe they're all uh, pretty close to one another. Locomotive, you can forget he went round and a couple of others went round in the Redwood. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think Rockham with that is it's probably the best of them and didn't even win on uh, Saturday night. Now, how about, how about Gareth all coming in? He, he came in off a long run. I haven't seen a run in like that since Kirtley Ambrose bowled for the Windies. That was... <laughs> Um, poor old Brad Williamson. I, f- I feel like the only thing I will say is absolutely going – like, I think we pull it up now because just just sort of piling on um, to someone when surely he's well aware at this point that, he, that he's made an enormous blue and he's going to get punished for it. I just don't I, – I, I do find it a little bit funny in this day and age when we talk a lot about mental health and all the rest of it and then – and then uh, just pile on for uh, for days and days and days over something when there's no doubt the person would already know that they've um, they've made a blue. Lady's son was second. SK Hollywood, well done to Cam Mags and David Jack and Georgie Coram was out there uh, dressed in the same colours as the silks of SK Hollywood. SK Hollywood, by the way, uh, for Warnie, SK, SK. Uh, Triumph Stride, Elder Baron Jensen, down the list. There wasn't a lot, um, a lot more to really probably analyse here. I thought, I think Lardy's son is a, uh, a horse that's going in the right direction, Clevy. And what's up, party time? Uh, things just went pear shaped at the start. Ricky Elchino, this was a classic case of um, professionalism and experience, wasn't it? I think the locomotive had to. Nathan Jack had to make a, a little bit of a split second decision and a, a lightning move, and the locomotive was had the ring craft to do it. Um, Ricky Elgin tried to uh, take advantage of a, a little squeezy opportunity, and what's up, party time probably wasn't ready to do it. Yeah, no, that's right, mate. He, uh, and it just, yeah, inexperience, I suppose. And look, it's always hard with two-year-old trotters. You know, they're not push-button ponies, so. You know, when you are trying to take those small gaps or quickly change direction, it's, uh, you know, it's very hard for them. So 
they'd be uh, disappointed it did break and sort of put it out of the race. But uh, Stevie G was another one. I thought Stevie G's run was excellent, but breaking off the gate, having to go all the way back to last has cost it uh, running much closer. I mean, it's only been, it's been beaten 27 metres, but it would have finished, you know, a lot closer than that had it have not been, had it not broke at the start and been right up the front. So it's very difficult, but I'm sure as they uh, mature, they'll certainly learn a few more manners and, and they'll be certainly you know, what's up party time will be in all the big races coming up as a three-year-old. I've got no doubt about that. I wouldn't mind taking the 1,000 to 1 with Albie Ashwood when he said Stevie G would be 99.9% chance in front. Um, that was a weird little musical interlude from the Tom Bang, but um, it's actually, I think it's perforated one of my eardrums. Um, now, before we get stuck into race four, we're moving on to the paces. And I tell you what, there were a lot of highlights on Saturday night. But there's something very special about this Philly Major Delight. She gave us a scare, but she won and made it nine from nine in her juvenile season. Here are the concluding stages of the two-year-old Phillies final of the Breeders' Crown at headquarters on Saturday night. The light just left them standing. She took off this star filly. She's put 10 or 12 metres on them, heading off the back straight in 27.3. Tempting Tigress gets into second spot and chases hard. Then Jewel Melody running on is uh, perfect in pink, but it's Major Delight with a big lead. Tempting Tigress is eight metres away and running on. Major Delight, five metres. Tempting Tigress is getting close here. Tempting Tigress is after Major Delight. Major Delight needs to lift. Tempting Tigress getting close. Will she get up, I don't think so. Major Delight's got heart. Major Delight fights on and wins. Nine out of nine. Major Delight beat Tempting Tigress. Third home perfect in pink. And Emma Stewart trained trifecta. They've come away from the others. Clive's girl with Jewel Melody and then came Spring Blue made up some ground. Well, I'll tell you what, it wasn't just a trifecta. It was an Emma Stewart Clayton Tonkin first four which is an outrageous effort. An outrageous effort. But I'll tell you what, this filly, um, Major Delight, she did give the punters a scare. They backed her into um, about a dollar four. Major Delight. Tempting Tigress comes after it. After it looked like Major Delight had broken their hearts. But I think to all indications to the, to the, uh, to the naked eye, Clevy, this was a case of a filly who's still only two years of age and only switched on again, I think, once there was a challenge. Because I think she rolled out... She was having a good look around, and I think she thought her job was done, and then when she realised it wasn't, she found a way to win. So the margin might not have been great, but I still somehow think the win was pretty dominant. Yeah, it was. I was standing up on the top grandstand sort of 50 metres before the Fitwinham post and had a really good look at her, and when Tempting Tigress came at her, she just woke up. She, she'd basically switched off um, out in front. She just thought, oh, yeah, my job's done. And and she just sort of flopped along. And then when Tempting Tigress came, it, it did get close. and But you could see that she just sort of looked at her and said, oh, you're there. I better get going again. And I reckon they could have gone another lap and she still would have held that, you know, any other horse off. She is an absolutely sensational looking uh, fairly. She's going to just get better as she gets older. And if you watch the replay, um, they show a close-up of her over the last sort of 50 metres and she's pricked her ears with 50 metres to go and then Tempting Tigress is getting close and she puts her offside, her right-hand side ear back, which is her, uh, you know, taking notice of the horse outside of her. But her near side ear is still pointing forward, so she's still not even 100% switched on. You know, she didn't just pin both ears back and then take off again. She's still still learning her ring craft and to do what she's doing Doing that, it, it just shows how much ability she really does have.
Yeah, no doubt. She's just incredible, really, isn't she? Unbeaten uh, at this stage of her career. And like I say, um, if you would, if you haven't watched a lot of harness racing or you don't know her very well and you were disappointed by the performance and you thought if she's supposed to be this good, she would have won by further, that's not the case. I'll tell you what, I'm looking through, I'm scro- scrolling through Twitter where we're picking up these these uh, vignettes from uh, these audio vignettes for you to uh, so you can enjoy the night as it was on Saturday. I'm seeing the picture or the video taken by Brittany Graham of she's used my term here. It's like clonic winds <laughs> and sideways sideways rain. Did I tell you what that studio out there at Melton that you've occupied plenty, Clavey, felt like it was going to be lifted and taken. Somewhere up the road. We might have ended up in Ballarat a little bit earlier than round one of the Inter-Dominion Eats on Saturday. It's time for a break. When we return, more Metrospective to come here on SEN Track. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Much quicker second quarter, 28.3. And it's tough till he three metres to ladies in red, silver mistake. And then on the outside, Doug's Babe as Tay-Tay moved up in the fifth spot and then Kiora Beauty. Along the back straight, inside 600 metres to travel. And it's Tough Tilly from Ladies in Red, the margin three metres. Then Doug's Babe outside, Silver Mystique from Tay-Tay. Off the back, Tough Tilly, two metres. Dirt's along, Ladies in Red still travels up well. Five metres to Doug's Babe and then Tay-Tay, Silver Mystique. 27-2, third quarter. Tough Tilly a metre in front. Ladies in Red's about to level up. Doug's Babe five metres away then Tay-Tay. End of the straight it's Tough Tilly and Ladies in Red. Ladies in Red moves up on the outside she's hit the front and she starts to power away. This champion mare Ladies in Red is roaring up the straight at Tabcorp Park Melton wins another one and in style. She is a freak. It's, um, it's unfair on her what her stable mate did a little bit later in the night because Ladies in Red is a freak. I will say this, I reckon, um, Clevy, that I think, I think, I wish I wish I hadn't killed that fish. I think that um, the Tough Tilly was a little bit below her best. I don't think there's that much between them under those circumstances. Having said that, Ladies in Red, um, I spoke to uh, Emma and Clayton after the win, and I, I think there was a, a, an indication that, that uh, she just absolutely worked the house down during the week and that she was right at her peak, and she's a machine. Yeah, she certainly is. She's just one out of the box. Um, I I thought Tough Tilly was maybe disappointing, but then when I go back and look at it and look at the times and you look at where Doug's Babe's finished near Tough Tilly and, and you know, Doug's Babe's been finishing that close to Tough Tilly and, and that in the other races. So I, I just thought Ladies in Redback actually stepped it up and to another level Saturday night. I was watching Sal around the corner and he was looking around to see where Doug's babe was and how they were all travelling. He he knew he was absolutely bolting before they even got to the top of the straight. And when he pulled the plugs just before they straightened, it was uh, it was race over. And, um, yeah, she's just a star. And, and if we can just very quickly bounce back a race to race four, Ladies in Red's little sister, Perfect in Pink, was huge yeah, running third yeah. um, and absolutely smashed the clock, which I'll go through later on. That that family, it's just, yeah, it's, geez, it's just you'd love to have one out of it, wouldn't you? And their brother, Casbar Kid, was the hero representative on the night. Uh, Brooke Sweeney and Mitch Fox doing a great job, and he looked at absolute picture, Casbar Kid. He, um, he won some very uh, fast run races at... Tabcourt Park during the pandemic period, not quite as good as 
ladies in red, as we well know. But um, just to complete our thoughts in that race, uh, yeah, she's she's just unbelievable. We just can't wait to see her against uh, the boys again. We've only been able to see that once, and it wasn't open age boys, but it, she won the Rising Sun. But you just want to see it, don't you? Because I think you're right. I think she um, that might have weirdly even been another level for ladies in red on Saturday night. But I tell you what, the sight. And how many times have we seen it? There is just something so beautiful about the sight of her being about three quarters of a length of whoever's leading, um, coming off the back at Melton or wherever they might be, and knowing, knowing that she's going to mow them down and knowing how well, often when horses are in that position outside the leader and they've had the harder run and they've gone 28 and changed the second quarter of the final mile, you can see they're starting to feel the pinch. Ladies in Red just keeps travelling up to them. It's 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 a beautiful sight, isn't it, mate? It certainly is, and uh, I'd like to be able to sit behind her and feel what uh, Sal was feeling because, yeah, the, the feel she'd give you would be just like, you know, jumping out of the, your normal sedan and into a, you know, a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or something like that because she gives – it's special to watch, but I bet you it's even more special to uh, to get the feel behind her. And so and another thing uh, that probably should be taken into account here is the the fact that the weather was probably at its worst around this time. So 154.8 over the middle trip is good going, but and they really did – you can't look at that mile rate too much because Ladies in Red wasn't the one in front. Tough Tilly was the one in front. Ladies in Red wasn't going to apply the pressure from the word go. So the the lead time here has been moderate, 45.8. First quarter walking for, for this class. Group one, oh, sorry, group one quality field, group two on the night. Uh, the British Crown Championship for the four-year-old mares, 31 seconds. But then in in driving rain to go 28-4, 27-2, 27-3 is out, outstanding. So sometimes Oregon mile rates, they mean more to me these days than they used to, particularly Short course mile rates, Clevy, but here it's almost like the mile rate's not representative of what they did over the last 1,200 metres. No, 100%. If you break it down, like you say, a 31 quarter in there, if that's your normal run race where they're going, say, a 29, then all of a sudden they've gone a 153 mile rate and you say, wow, that was pretty impressive. So you could ignore that. If you go back and watch the replay, it, it is atrocious conditions that she was racing in. You could see how much water was on the track, but it actually looks amazing when you watch the slow-mo of her running through the water to the line. She looks sensational. But uh, to do that, you know, 54-5 last half, sitting parked in that terrible conditions, it's pretty special. And you've got to feel for, I mean, Tough Tilly's been able to beat her a couple of times and, and whatnot, but what about poor Doug's babe? The owners of her have probably you know, bred this fantastic horse, the best horse they've ever had, who's had 48 starts, nine wins, seven seconds, seven thirds. Most of those placings are behind Tough Tilly and Ladies in Red. And you just wonder if she had been in a different generation, you know, how good she could actually be. And she just keeps being the bridesmaid to these. It's uh, It must be very frustrating when you, uh, you breed such a beautiful horse as Doug's Bay, but you just find those two or, you know, two or three that are just so much better. But it's almost as though, yeah, well, I've been on record, I guess, to some degree in saying that, and it's funny now because now we've got four and five-year-old races and we're, and we're going, I think it's almost like the age-restricted thing personally, I think is rather than going on longer, should be going on, it shouldn't be going on for as long, um, nearly, or have these races, but drop them in prize money and um, uh, because basically 
without being rude, um, ladies in red, we've now watched three years of unbelievably similar results, haven't we? I mean, they did the same thing at two, the same thing at three. It, uh, you you might disagree with this, Clevy, but I, I just think once you finish your three-year-old season, it's almost easier for some of those that haven't been able to win these races to just get clear air and move into the general horse population rather than have to go around one more year of maybe getting beaten up by the same horses that they've been beaten up by at two and three years of age as well. It's really hard because a lot of horses can't go that early as two-year-olds. So they need the three and four to give them that earning potential. So maybe, and this is a real left-field thing that just popped into my mind, if if you win your two- and three-year-old series, maybe you're not eligible for a four-year-old series, and that gives the horses that didn't race as two a chance to race in three and four. Maybe that opens it up a little bit. But I think you need age-restricted racing to, to allow them to race in those big races, to create interest of buying yearlings, to create interest in breeding. And I think... By cutting that off, especially the four-year-olds, because four-year-old mares, you'll find a lot, you know, can then go to stud and then create that breeding experience all over again. But if they don't have that four-year-old there, it, it just probably limits a lot of horses' earning potential. So I wouldn't be getting rid of it, um, but maybe you can tinker with it a bit. What a love to see Act now up against... Um... Honolulu Bay and Mac Dan just all in the graduate together personally. Let's go for our final break in the first hour, and then we'll have a little segment we now call Clean It Up with Cleavy. And then when we come back, the second hour of Metrospective here on Trot's Life on SEN Track. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Welcome back to Metrospective, where we are reviewing the Breeders' Crown Finals from Saturday night. We've already covered off the first half of the card. We've still got four Group 1s and one Group 2 to cover. And, of course, we're going to relive that outstanding win of Captain Ravishing, breaking the track record in the three-year-old Colton Gelding's Group 1 final, which was just an absolute terrific way to top off such a great night. It was just... On track, it was just absolutely lightning. The weather wasn't great, but the racing was fantastic. So make sure you join us straight after the news. Come back. Jason Bonington and myself will be reviewing the last few races on Monday at Metrospective. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Welcome back to Metrospective. Now, I can't I can't push this hard enough, and I'll let you know again before uh, I uh, leave off here today, but uh, SEN track fans, get ready. The Lids Fly team will be broadcasting live from Bell's Hotel, just up the road here in South Bank, this Thursday with Australia's leading greyhound analyst, Troy Little. I'll be there. The Peacock will be there. Toddy Gray from Adelaide will be there. The Watchdog will be there. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a party. Text in your name and the code word BELLS, 0499736736. Text in your name and the code word BELLS to register your place at the event this Thursday night. I know Jason Adams 
um, from Sky Racing is already uh, is already come. I think it's going to be huge. There's a few guys here coming. Uh, entries free. It includes food and drinks, expert tips, and a cracking time, all thanks to Betfair. It's going to be enormous. Right. Before we get stuck into our analysis of race six in the cards, we're getting to the second half of the program from Saturday night's massive meeting, Breeders' Crown Finals at Tabcourt Park, Melton. Here is an emotional interview with Nathan Jack. You won't hear this too often with Brittany Graham out on track Saturday night after the win of school captain. He's a special horse, this guy, Nathan. It's been, I guess, a tricky series for you, but you've always had your eyes on the prize and you've got it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, this one's a bit different, Britt, that's for sure. Talk us through the run because despite the tough talk all week, he actually didn't get a bad first lap of the race. Yeah, um, that's right. We got it quite comfortable early, but it, if they were wanting to run, I was happy to leave them back here. Like, I was never letting them any closer. I had uh, a lot of faith in this horse, and I, I thought that I went into the homegrown fraction underdone, and this sort of, it was Clayton's opinion that they should have put more pressure on, and I, I, he, his work during the week said that he was ready to go. Now, I don't want to make it obvious, but you're pretty emotional about this one, aren't you? This means a lot. Yeah, this one's pretty different, this one, yeah. What about with Bill and Ann? They're such big supporters. They're like family to you. Yeah, for sure. Bill and Ann have been great. And, um, you know, Dad's here. And, yeah, it just means a lot. Enjoy it. Thank you. You don't hear Nathan Jack like that too often, Clevy. No, you don't. It's, uh, it's understandable, though. I mean, look, family is a very important thing in life. And when you get to do this, you know, I mean, it's one thing to be driving for, you know, Emma and Clayton and winning those big races. But to be able to do it with your dad, it's, uh, it had to be something special. You know, I mean, we spoke to Emma Frosnan, you know, doing it with his dad when they uh, won the Inter-Dominion. And you can see it again here with Nathan and Russell. And look, it's fantastic to see because, as I said, family means everything. And success with family just makes it all that little bit more sweeter. Yeah, I even, uh, with that with that again, um, driving the point home too hard. But obviously, um, uh, your old man's birthday um, uh, not too long ago during the week. And, uh, and I've lost mine and all the rest of it. And... Uh, it, it's a beautiful thing because family does really mean everything. And I think sometimes um, everyone's pretty casual and knock around in the game, aren't they? Down to earth, people, soul to the earth. And, um, you know, Nath probably goes around and ribs at the old man and the old man ribs Nath back. And that's the relationship between Rusty and Nath. But um, that, that, that tells you something about the bond, the closeness, how much it means to Nathan to be able to do it for his old man. And, Brittany uh, Graham also, brilliant interview by Brittany, um, uh, touched on, so you've got your family and then sometimes you've got your extended family, haven't you? And, and Bill and Ann Anderson, um, without going into the details again and again and, and, and bringing it up all the time, Nathan obviously went through uh, a period where he was out of the game and you, you really do know when you're on your ass. Uh, who you, who your friends and family are and who they're not. And I, I, Bill and Ann Anderson's support of, of Nathan uh, and to give him this absolutely beautiful horse. School captain is a rock star in the making. He, he's just – he's got glamour written all over him. That That is – that's proper support. That's when you know who cares about you, Clevy. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't have put that in any better words, mate. Uh, it's uh, look it's great to see too because um you know sometimes in this game loyalty you know isn't there when you think it should be but uh these guys have really stuck strong with nathan and and hats off to him for doing that and you can tell tell how appreciative he is but as we said uh family is everything it doesn't have to be blood um you know we, we all have family around us and 
necessary to be able to do it with that it just made that extra more special so you know and I know I would have loved to have been able to do this with my dad but not to be but hopefully with the young boy on his way we uh in a few years time or maybe quite a few years time we might be able to do it together but uh yeah no it certainly does make it exciting but getting back to the horse school captain mate this horse you look at him on the track you just summed it up he is a rock star he has the looks but as good as he is now I reckon he's going to be better at three he just looks like a horse that's going to be better with 12 months underneath his belt yeah, like I, I don't want to. You don't want to start going like off tap, but there's something about this horse and how he could develop, just the way he looks. That um, I don't know. Are we looking at? Are we looking at the next captain ravishing for for twelve months time? Because these captain treacherous. There's something that there there are really something about him. I know I've been going on about it now, week in, week out. But there's there's like an element of uh, raw speed that I don't know that I've seen in uh, horses uh, like standing bridge in this part of the world ever before that like one after the other of these captain treacherouses seem to just be, um, they're so well suited to the style of racing that we have in Australia now, which is basically short and middle trip racing. We still have the long trip races, but nowhere near as many. Um, and these horses are just absolute pure, raw, organic speed. Um, we love to do burning questions of all kinds as we lead up to meetings like the one on Saturday night, Clevy, but there's one burning question that nobody could answer before the race. That was, would the Lost Storm and Captain's Knock come through their brutal run uh, at semi-final level of this series? The only way we were going to get an answer is once the race was run and done, run and done and won, and we got our answer. I mean, this is to take nothing away from school captain, but there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever that the Lost Storm and Captain's Knock both were knocked around by what happened last week. 110% right there, Bond. Uh, I think that was proof in the pudding. And it, it's a difficult one. You know, semi-final racing, you know, quite often isn't that exciting as what it was for race one last week uh, when they just went for it early. But um, it did prove that way. And, and hats off to Nathan because he would have also had that in the back of his mind that they were going to be susceptible from that run and he went 26-7 down the back, and he made sure that if the Lost Storm was feeling anything, he was going to feel it a long way from home. You know, he didn't just go 27 and a bit down the back and then get home really quick and, and give anything a chance to sprint with him. He he said, let's go down the back, and if you're feeling anything from last week, you're going to feel it really bad. Yeah, um, so perfect class. Amazingly, I'll say it one more time. Trifecta, all by Captain Treacherous. School captain, perfect class. The Lost Storm, incredible. And perfect class is definitely your horse who's uh, getting better all the time. Uh, and a number of these others, well, they just couldn't keep up when the uh, when the going got tough. And you can understand why. They've ripped off the back in 26-7. Nathan's, uh, as you mentioned, let rip and said, um, come after me, the Lost Storm, who was under pressure at that point, 27-4 home, 54-1 your final half. 53 won the middle trip for two-year-olds. Now, I know that they're three, but they're two-year-olds by uh, by their current uh, birth certificate. And um, oh, did you? what else did you make from the race? I thought Techie's watching got home really nicely from the back. Perfect class was good, and we have to forgive a few, as we've already mentioned. 
yeah, no, I think you pretty much summed that up really well. Uh, perfect class got home really well. Clayton was uh, pretty bullish on its chances, so probably led some punters into backing it the place. Techie's watching as well, having to get home really well from a, a really tough draw coming out of Barrier 13. Um, and just going back to that breeding, I'll give you a bit of an interesting thing on school captain. So he's by Captain Treacherous at a Yankee showgirl. Now, Yankee showgirl is out of a male Aston Villa. Yeah. Aston Villa is the mother of Poster Boy, and Poster Boy is by Sun Beach Somewhere, who's the father of Captain Treacherous. Wow. So you've got the father, mother, then go down one generation to the son, daughter, and still creating superstars. Yeah, and uh, Aston Villa in her own right. So you're looking at how strong these bloodlines are. It's just freaky. $329,000 for Yankee Rockstar, who was a rock star. Uh, Born to Rock and Roll was a really good horse, $300,000, $800 plus for uh, Poster Boy, who would have won much, much, much more if he'd been out of race longer. 30 starts, 22 wins. Uh, unbelievable horse. Um, even Speed. Z- oh, incredible. And even Zoliver's been a wonderful horse. Beachville has probably been, uh, you'd say, oh, have you been the disappointing one? Well, you've won $65,000 yourself. Let's go. He's for- a bit of an enigma, though, that one. <laughs> he certainly is. Uh, we've all broken up, unfortunately, with uh, Beach Villa. We'll go for a break, come back, and then we're going to hear another uh, interview, this time Anthony Butt talking about Harry Stamper after he won the three-year-old Trotting Colts and Geldings final on Saturday night. Breeders' Crown Super Saturday at Tabcorp Park. Melton, stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Yes, another Breeders' Crown for Anthony, but they never get old, do they, Ants? No, they're always good, Brett. So, um, no, real big thrill with the sort. You know, Joe Pace, a good mate of mine. And um, so, you know, really surprising thrill when I got the call up to drive him. So, please, I've got to get the job done for him. He's been so good all season long, but he's now got that asset of gate speed. He was brilliant off the arm tonight. Yeah, I knew he would be. I just I didn't know if I had enough speed to hold um, Kieran out. But, you know, he, he's a very fast horse. You know, for a trotter, he's got amazing speed from, and he can pick it up quickly. So he's got the all-round game. He's sort of getting a little bit tougher as he's getting older. And, um, you know, I think he's got a really big future. Between he and Cravash draw, they're going to have some great battles. And, and Barry draw is going to be so vital. So I guess you just had to take advantage of that tonight. Yeah, I sort of went out with, I didn't go out with a plan. I just wanted to wing it and I wanted to come off the gate as quick as I could. And then um, sometimes you get too hung up on thinking about it too much. So I just wanted to trust my judgment and um, I knew that, you know, it'd work itself out. So yeah, luckily it did. It certainly did. I'm just watching the start again now. Uh, Clevy of the three-year-old trotting Colts and Geldings, final of the Breeders' Crown. And um, this is always going to be one of the races of the night. We wanted to see... Harry Stamper versus Cravash Door versus Courage Stride uh, versus Plymouth Chubb, I should say. Courage Stride ended up running third. But um, Hordicam, I said uh, pre-race, could be the fly in the ointment for Plymouth Chubb. And I reckon that's been the case. I reckon um, uh, Plymouth Chubb's gotten about well, nearly a full at least horse length, not horse and card, but a horse length in front of Harry Stamper at the start. But uh, Hordicam just kicking up on the inside there and and Ant never really revved up Harry Stamper, but was just able to hold that spot. And once he found the front, as it turns out, it was game over. And a turning of the tables from the derby, which, to be honest, is not unexpected because even though Cravash Door won by a reasonable margin there in the derby, 
Uh, Harry Stamper did all the work and was probably just as good a run. So these two horses, and I'm not ruling out Plymouth Chubb joining them again at some point, but these two horses have set themselves slightly apart and are going to have some great clashes over the next year or two. Yeah, they certainly will. It was uh, it was a terrific race. And like you say, Harry did a lot of work in that derby and he's just gone down to run second to Kravash Dor, who, I mean, look, Kravash Dor did win that fairly comfortably, but uh, once they drew a lot closer, it, uh, it made a bit of difference. And getting back to Ansa's drive off the gate, you're right with the, the inside horse probably helping him out, whereas if Ants had been cross to the fence, he probably would have had to work a little bit harder to hold out uh, yeah. Karen on Plymouth Chubb. But like you say, if you watch Anthony, but he did not move off the gate. He he didn't rein his horse up. Like Kez drove Plymouth Chubb off the gate to try and cross. Anthony just held his horse together and just kept his legs there and just, you know, did not use an ounce more of petrol at the start than what he had to and then let him roll forward. Once Karen knew she couldn't get it, then Ants just let it roll forward. And that's why he's such a, you know, great group one driver because he doesn't do anything unnecessary, you know, and he just gave that horse a millimetre perfect drive and he just proved too good. And uh, what a great horse for uh, Joe Pace has, you know, got on his hands now is to say he's going to have some uh, good races coming up in the future and some really good fights with a couple of these nice trotters. Great celebrations too. If you go to the um, to the trots.com or the trots Twitter, uh, you can see the celebrations from the connections post race, and he really did deserve it. It was it was. It sounds funny because he, he'd won the Derby, the New South Wales Derby, but it felt like it was a bit of D Day here for Harry Stamp. You were like, well, particularly after the start, you're thinking, well, now you've got to beat Cravastor here to uh, to really create this rivalry and keep and like pump it up to another level because if Cravastor simply parks outside of Harry Stamper and beats him, well, there's no doubt who the number one seed is. Now now we're in a situation, one of those great situations where you look at these two horses going, well, you're going to draw inside and outside of each other and every time we're going to think the one who draws better is likely to win until it doesn't happen and, and one of the two of you can stand up and say, I'm the best. So... Um, as great as it is to have individual phenomenal performances like Ladies in Red and Captain Ravishing, the sport needs rivalries as well. And this is uh, this yep. is going to be a good one. Yeah. And, and look, I know you can't plan it or you can't make it happen, but if, if these guys could swap barrier draws, like you say, one draw inside this week and then one draw inside the next week, if they could just keep swapping race in, race out, it would just be an amazing battle because – I guess I don't think there's a lot in it, and barrier draws are going to play such a strong part, which they already have. You know, this time Harry got the good draw, he gets the win. Kravash Dor got the good draw in the derby, he got the win, and I think that's going to continue on. So uh, looking forward to see what they bring as four-year-olds. And one thing about Harry Stamper too, I think he's really just starting to mature now. He seems to be getting stronger, whereas he was more speed. I, I reckon he's stronger now than what he was, you know, six weeks ago, and, and I reckon he's just going to keep getting stronger going forward. Uh, we spoke about uh, Egret before, but so here's Courage Stride, okay, uh, uh, who ran third. We'll get to Plymouth Chubb in a moment. Courage Stride, Redwood Classic as a two-year-old third. Um, Breeders Crown, two-year-old final, second. Um, uh, Vic Bread final, second. Uh, New South Wales Trotters Derby, fourth. Need for Sprint, uh, need for Prince uh, Sprint final, Need for Speed Prince final, uh, fourth. Then third in the Victoria Trotters Derby final and third in the Crown. Quite amazing, isn't it? <laughs> to be, and you know what? I can't see. 
I can't say how he's going to win one, unfortunately, but gee, that's amazing consistency at the top level without getting a win, isn't it? And, and not only that, I'll just quickly go to his time from Saturday night. He's ran his last half in 55-75. Stupid, isn't he was it? The- only horse to break 56. The winner's gone 56-24. The second horse, 56-44. He's gone 55-75, and he can't win. It's Yeah, it's really tough. Well, maybe he can. Based on that, maybe he can, with the right draw, he can win one. Maybe he can. Well, he probably can. He just hasn't been able to yet, but doing that. Yeah, and you need to almost draw better. than The thing is, it's not just one horse. Um, there's two or three now. Um, what do we make of Plymouth Chubb? I know it's a completely different world if he's able to find the front. Um, is are, are we are we pseudo officially suggesting that they these these couple that have run first and second here, Stamper and Cravash, have gone past him? Uh, yeah, at this stage, I, I think so. Uh, yeah, he, he had the wood on everyone as a two-year-old by a long way. You know, you don't know how much breaking that leg and then having so much time off can affect him. You know, you. He may not ever get back to his best. You don't know, but he uh, he's certainly not disgracing himself. Like, don't think in any way that he's gone bad. He's still put in a you know a terrific run to hold on for fourth. But uh, I do think that Harry Stamper and Kravashdor have gone past him for now, but not by a great deal. And let me just say this: I said before the race, and I said a couple of times last week, there's one horse in this race that I would like to buy shares in, and he was beaten a long way into fifth on Saturday night. But I, there's something about this Sebastian's boy I very much like. I think um, Brent Thompson's got a really nice horse here. Um, they're in two different races, obviously. There was the top four and the rest. But I think um, I think Sebastian. I think this is going to end, end up being a you know a very strong generation. Emma Stewart quite likes Hazel Muscle. Uh, Iron Love's got ability. We know that RC Phoenix and Hephaestus Phoenix have both got a fair bit of ability. Like, this is a good generation, isn't it? I mean, Harry Stamper and Kravastor are now the top two. Uh, and depending on where you sit, you might have Kravastor as one, uh, ranked one, and Harry Stamper two, but they're the top two. Um, but overall, very, it's a very deep division, as you'd expect, because the Trotters just keep getting better and better and better. They sure do, and uh, that's exciting to see, and it's great to see that they're getting more uh, opportunities too because, uh, like you say, the trotting breed has come – you know, I mean, I know the paces have improved a lot with their times and everything else, but I reckon the trotters have improved tenfold in the last sort of five or six years. It's just amazing how quick they can run now. I mean, look at that lead time for the two-year-old trotters as we go back to the first race. Um, they went the lead, uh, sorry, the second race with Susan Hur name winning. They went the lead time in 42.9, and we were getting wrapped up last week about, you know, a 41 lead time for the two-year-old paces. Like, that is flying. They... You'd never see a trotter go anything like that, you know, just not that long ago. Well, it's, the, the most staggering part of it all, obviously, is that um, uh, both of the lead time records now at Tabcourt Park Melton are owned by two-year-olds of different of different gates. So uh, the Lost yep. Storm um, and and now uh, and now rocking with attitude, just absolutely amazing. And to put it into perspective, you you're quite right. Uh, 42.8 as it was called in the night, I'll round it up to 42.9, is arguably more staggering than the 41.6. It's it's, yeah. it's it's just, it's crazy, crazy stuff. And the one question I'll give you is, I, I don't expect the answer, but I couldn't, I was racking my brain to think of it, but I can't, I can't even quite think of the race where it might have been where the previous 
lead time trotting record was or, 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 or oh. how much it was broken by? Yeah, no, I would have absolutely no idea, but I'd, I'd be thinking it would be a fast class. It would have to be a fast class race because, as I said, they just haven't had younger horses running like that, you know, until sort of now. So They might have broken if, it by more than like by a second or something too, I reckon. I don't, I can't even remember many, like, when do you even hear 43s? I'll, I'll find out over the next ad break and I'll, right. I'll get back to you. I like yeah, this. That'll be my challenge while the ad break's on. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's called the four-minute challenge with Steve Cleave. We've got uh, cleared it up with Cleave and now the four-minute challenge with Steve Cleave. I'll see if I can find one every week where uh, we'll go to an ad break and he's got to come up with um, an answer to a specific question or a solution. Let's go and find out what's happening in the news at this stage. And then when we come back, we will get the concluding stages of Encipher. They were also, there were big celebrations after Encipher one as well with uh, Tyson linking in connections. But uh, we'll come back and listen to Encipher winning with Kate Gath for Emma Stewart in the three-year-old Phillies final of the Breeders' Crown. But for now, let's find out what's happening in the news and give Steve Cleave his four-minute challenge to find out who was the previous lead time record holder at Melton for the Trotters. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. In 27.1 and the leader is in cipher by 2 metres. Soho Historia. Still right there was Miss Shanti as they turned for home. In cipher's in full flight. The favourite from Soho Historia to the inside Miss Shanti. Leader though is in cipher. Soho Historia tries hard. On the outside 2 metres away in cipher finding plenty though the favourite. She's an outstanding filly and in cipher wins it. In Cypher beats Soho Historia, who was terrific second. Amore beat up third. Big run for Michon T. Fourth. Then came Miss X. Non Peril finished off really well. Welcome back to the Metrospective edition of Trots Live here on SEN Track as we take a little look back on Breeders' Crown Finals Night at Tabcourt Park, Melton. And there were a lot of good runs in this race. A rock and roll dance. Breeders' Crown Series 24 final for the three-year-old fillies, but the Queen remains in her throne or on her throne. Captain Treacherous again in Cypher. Uh, she doesn't win by glamorous large margins. She doesn't brain them. She doesn't dominate them, eviscerate or disembowel them. But in Cypher just finds a way to win, and she did it again on Saturday night, Clevy. Yeah, she saw so did. She's just so businesslike. She, uh, like I say, nothing glamorous about her, but... Boy, she's good. She uh, When she found the front, it was pretty much race over, but excellent runs in behind her. Uh, hats off to Blake Jones. You, we were talking about it earlier. We're not going to go back on the bad side of it, but the good side of, like you say, not going with a set standard play, launching Miss Chantilly from seven, knowing how much gate speed she's had, found the front, handed up to Encipher, guaranteed that horse a good check. If he had just restrained from barrier seven and gone back to last, wouldn't have been able to get into the race, probably earns $8,000 less. So hats off to Blake Jones for having a crack because it paid off and uh, she stuck on really well. Soho Astoria was excellent, working around in the breeze. Amore Vita, still going super. Um, Not sure what's happening with her. She just seems to just, I don't know if she's losing interest or not switched on around the corner, but... Boy, halfway up the straight, she decides to get her backside into gear and can really hit the line strong. She still got home Saturday night in 53.54 and 26.3 her last quarter. 
about losing that spot uh, but on the fence and going back to three back the pegs has sort of cost her a good length and she's only been beaten 4.9 metres. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on, isn't there, with the Moro Vetti because um, this is not the first time we've seen this uh, of recent times where when the push-button speed goes on, the, I mean, the Moro Vita is known or was known for her own push-button speed. Now she just is left flat-footed. And to be honest, again, if you'd never seen her race before, um, coming off coming off the back, you just would have thought, well, you you are gone. You are absolutely gone on Moravita. And then she picks up and she runs home like she did. Um, yes, again, could not agree more. Take a bow, Blake Jones. I would have loved to catch up with Blake at some point and, and um, giving him a fist pump because even though it lost me money, um, I just loved it. I loved the, the confidence. It was one of the drives of the night, even you didn't run top three. Um, to launch from out there, knowing that if it goes wrong, you know, th- there are going to be significant consequences and repercussions. Um, to have a go like that and to get the job done and to get across and then give Michonne T <clears throat> probably every conceivable um, was uh, a brilliant drive. And why I'm a big believer that we need, I said it on Saturday night on Trot Division, you need interstate and cross-Tasman influence in these big races as often as you can. Uh, we saw it during the Queensland Winter Carnival. Emma Stewart's horses, um, uh, rightly or wrongly, uh, they were posted a lot, a hell of a lot more um, than they are down here. And you, you just had um, greater competition when you've got uh, when you've got uh, horses from different jurisdictions that sort of don't have any. There's no etiquette, is there, Clavy? There's no, there's no preordained rules or relationships. It's just go out there and, and do your best, and that's exactly what Blake Jones did with Miss Shanti on Saturday night. Absolutely, and and I suppose if you look at how the the speed map was playing out, and and it really did play out, and maybe Blake has just read this to an absolute perfect T. So, Amore Vita that doesn't go as good when they use her up early. So she was always going to let inside roll to the front without any pressure. Uh, it wasn't like they were going to run flat out for the first 200 and see if they could hold each other out. So you could see more Vita just letting Ensifer go to the front. So that automatically creates a slower than expected lead time. And that's where Blake Jones has said, well, I know how much speed I've got. If they're not coming out under the bat, I can cross. And that's exactly what he did. Had there been a different scenario where they said, we're going to post Ensifer with Amore Vita, I don't reckon Blake would have even tried because all of a sudden, you know, they're coming out underneath you under the bat. They're coming out every bit as quick as you. But because of the way that the map panned out, I think Blake just read that just to an absolute T. And like you say, drive of the night when it comes to beaten drives. Soho Astoria, terrific. Um, the price told you, and the fact that Pity uh, chose Historia over Petion, uh, your girl Amelia, I, I think there's every indication that Petion must have... Uh, trained off a little bit. I, that's that's. I don't know this. That's just looking at the situation. I'm thinking, um, Petty on. I don't care if it's drawn barrier 28. Shouldn't be finishing last in this race. So I, I think she's. Um, she might have just uh, felt the pinch of uh, a pretty long campaign. It has to be said. Miss X was really unlucky. Both runs here uh, at, at semi final and final level. The last couple from Miss X have been very very good. Very good. There's a lot to get excited about there, and there's no doubt that Lara J Farm have got another very good one, I think, in Non-Pareil, who's um, shown on a couple of occasions in a heat of the Oaks, 
and in at semi-final level of this series, that uh, this daughter of arms of an angel is going to is going to get there. So we spoke before. I mean, this is the uh, the, the converse or contrary argument to what I was suggesting earlier. We're getting towards the end of the three-year-old filly season. She might be the one that uh, that that sort of reaches uh, their level and can really win one of these races at four, I suppose, Clevy. But um, yeah, there there might be one more opportunity. I don't know. I don't think she is. I don't know if Nonpareil's Vic bread, but if she is, maybe that's going to be her opportunity. Because I tell you what, I don't think she's that far away. Yeah, I think she's Vic Bread. She's an always be Mickey. She's owned by Alibar, so I'm pretty sure that she will she's be by Alibar. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Then, um, but yeah. she's she might be able to get there. Um, right draws. I don't think she's that far away. No, no, I think very draw dependent. She's certainly with him. I think she proved that when she won at Bendigo a few runs back. She um, she went really good up there. I, I can't think of what the race was. Um, it was just, yeah, only f- sort of four or five runs back. And she's shown that she's certainly got the ability, no doubt about that. Uh, Miss X, Miss Shen, T- what do you call it? Miss Chantilly, Miss Chantice, what's uh, what's Miss, your pronunciation? Miss Chante, I, I, I believe Mon- it. Miss Chante. Yeah, okay. I, I even asked Alan Bartley uh, about this uh, um, uh, in the stalls on semi-final night because I, I noticed that if, uh, Dan Malecki, who uh, I'll always trust as being the man to be able to pronounce these things right, obviously started saying Miss Chante, and I thought, well, I'll just go with Miss Chante. But um, uh, I think Alan herself was like, I call it Miss Chantelly. <laughs> but apparently it's Miss Shanti. So uh, pick your poison, Clevy. Pick your poison. Yeah, we'll go with whichever. That's fine. But yeah, all of those, as I said, the top six runners have gone, you know, exceptionally well. I just very quickly flicked through the times um, in that race when you mentioned about Amelia uh, Petiont just, you know, struggling a bit late. But she's gone three wide without trouble. And she's run her last half in 55.5. So that shows you how tough. It is racing these horses and why, you know, especially around Melton, you know, I don't want to say it's a definite leader's track, but when you're in front, you you know, it's so much an advantage because they've gone home in 53.8. So you've got a horse, even Diamond Shoes has ran her last half in 54.87. Talk time, got home in 54.15. Rich Beauty, 54.3. Star celebrities got home in fifty three sixty five and ran eight. Yeah, it's you know it's, it's, it's just so difficult. Yeah, crazy. I mean, it was only a few years ago you'd be hearing those times and just thinking that they were all um, world beaters. Um, yeah, but that's what you have to do to keep up these days. Uh, we're going to go for a break in a moment. When we come back, we're going to get the replay of this is the, this is the bravura. Um, Piers de Resistance performance of the night by Captain Ravishing. So we'll get the replay and the words of Mark Pitt with Brittany Graham. But first of all, SEN Track fans, get ready. The Lids Fly team broadcasting live from Bell's Hotel this Thursday, not next Thursday, in three days, with Australia's leading greyhound analyst, Troy Little, myself, um, Mitch Abaya, the Peacock, the World Cup King, the Watchdog, Todd Lington Gray from W uh, from South Australia. Nobody runs like the dogs in SA. Texting your name and the code word bells to register your place at the event this Thursday night. We are going to have a big, big night. Entry is free and includes food, drinks, expert tips, and a cracking time. It's all thanks to Betfair back in a moment. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. 
28-7 the second quarter. And it's Rip, about six metres in front of Captain Ravishing. He's asked for the supreme effort tonight, chasing his first group one. Rip has to be shaken up. Captain Ravishing's getting closer. He's breathing down the neck of Rip. Are we going to see something special tonight from Captain Ravishing? He hit the lead off the back straight. The equine jet goes for home. Captain Ravishing and he burst away. Captain Ravishing has raced away from Rip. Then he's Charlie's Angel. Next is Kafaji. Further back to interest free. But look at him go. Captain Ravishing around the final turn. He has opened up. Third quarter in 27.4. Captain Ravishing. He's going to be the most talked about horse in harness racing anywhere in Australasia. How about that for a win? Captain Ravishing, we salute you. You are a star. Oh, I need more. I need more. I need to, I need to hear Dan Malecki say, that is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Now, can we hear from Mark Pitt as well, please, with uh, Brittany Graham potentially? Tom Bank? Because uh, I want to, uh, I think the listeners deserve either word. Oh, I've got goosebumps even listening to that call again. Um, watching the race. <laughs> this is, who is this horse? All right, here's Mark Pitt. Oh, my goodness, Mark Pitt. That was something out of this world. Yeah, look, it was, um, you know, the team said he was on song tonight, and he was. 151 and 1 for the middle trip, sitting outside the leader on a rain affected track. And I watched you, it looks as though he could have gone another lap. Yeah, look, he was just cruising to the line. Um, you know, I was a little bit little bit concerned that they did go a strong lead time first quarter, but um, I knew I had the horse underneath me. What's it like to sit behind this horse? Oh, it's just, um, it's actually something special to sit behind a horse like this. Um, you know, I've sat behind many good horses in Ride High and a few others, but um, I think this one is top of the tree that I've sat behind. Incredible performance. Congratulations on another group one. Enjoy this. Thank you very much. Uh, just, it's, it's amazing stuff. If you're listening to Trot's Live today, the Metrospective Edition, and you, you've, you, you're you're dipping your toe in harness racing. You don't know much about it, but you you, you want to get involved. Go back and watch that performance. Even if it's it's like if you appreciate sport in any way, shape, or form, Clevy, any any sport, any form of competition, watching what he did on Saturday night, being there to watch what he did was just phenomenal. And you got to remember, the track was wet, and he sat outside the leader, not on the pegs. And he has absolutely blown the track record apart. And I've got no doubt could have gone quite a bit faster. Yeah, no, it was something special. It was, uh, gee, when he let go down the back, he, he moved up to rip and you sort of thought, oh, this is going to be a race in two. But within 20 metres, it was a race in one. It was all over and he was just devastating. And how he does it, like he just glides across the ground. Gee, he's got some high speed about him. And you look at the times that they've ran, He's gone one fifty one nine eight his last mile twenty eight oh one twenty eight eight twenty seven four six twenty seven nine like you say off the pegs was never on the fence. That's just outstanding. Like you sort of struggle to put words together for what how to describe it. Dan's call was just brilliant. It Wasn't just it really great? added Wasn't added amazing. to the race. And I was actually going to say earlier on, I think one of the best performances of the night wasn't actually on the track. It was in the race callers box. Dan's calls Saturday night were absolute A+. Every oh. race. He he made you feel 
every inch of every race. Like he actually got the emotion stirred up. And and as he did in that race, he really got the emotion stirred up. And if that doesn't get your heart pumping and uh, your excitement, you know, boiling over, then nothing will. You might as well just give up on life now because, yeah, that was something special. But uh, yeah, that, that, and right at the end there, when he's, that is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. It's, it, it's like. Well, it's a nice little segue here because that puts the exclamation point. You, you, you use your eyes, don't you? Yeah, and you say, well, I think that I've just watched something. I think I've just watched something crazy. Then they tell you the time and you go, well, I'm pretty sure I just watched something crazy. And then Dan Dan gives you permission to believe what you've just seen. And then the final step to that, which I tweeted about um, on Sunday morning, was having a chat with Clayton Tonkin and both of us – uh, we're we're pretty tired and um, and a bit raspy in the voice as I normally am these days anyway, but uh, I sort of said to Clayton, the only thing that's missing here is you declaring that we're that all all of this is we're, we're living in reality that what we just saw as much as you you've loved Ride High and as much as you love Ladies in Red that what we just saw and I, I didn't get um, Clayton to compare them but just that this is. This horse is as special as we think. So I didn't. I don't want to put him in an awkward spot. There's, you know, a variety of owners and and um, yeah. invested people in various horses. But um, put it this way, Clayton also gave me and everybody permission to believe what they saw. That this horse is not j- just a speed machine. And I think the critical key here, you've already outlined it with those sectionals, Clevy. This wasn't. He's already shown us he he's got party tricks. We've seen his party tricks, haven't we? Where he, can, where he can run a twenty-five second quarter, yeah. that that was that was proof positive and confirmation that he's not a. Uh, to put it, if I was to use a nineties basketball analogy, he's not Dominique Wilkins or Sean Kemp just doing crazy dunks. He really is Michael Jordan. He really is, and and look, I quickly went back and and looked over the times of the Derby run um, where he got beat, and I know it's over a much longer distance, but. They went 153.77 their last mile in the derby, and he he struggled. So he ran his last mile in 154.44. Clayton and Emma have turned this horse around and improved him since then. Again, I know two different races, but very similar driven. So, you know, if you take out the derby, the early time was a little bit of a breather, and then it was go for the last mile. The derby, they went 28.8, 28.8. 27.5, 28.6. Last Saturday night, 28.01, 28.8, 27.4. But come home in 27.9 and he blessed it away. Like the improvement that that horse has made is just amazing. And, and I think he will continue to improve as he actually learns a bit of ring craft. Couldn't agree more. Um, we've got to get to our final break. Well done again to... Um... Uh, to Matty Craven, Jimmy Herbertson, and um, Kirsten Graham, one of our Trots Vision colleagues, who was um, family bred flash Jimmy, I reckon. So uh, yeah. really well done to Kirsten. We love Kirsten. She did a great job, as did you on Friday night. We'll take a break, come back, talk about the final race, and then um, you might have to rip through one or two of your real highlights from your Friday night coverage as well, if okay, Clevy. Yeah, certainly. Sounds good. Let's go very well on a break. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. 
Um, so here's really quick before we get into that last race. That's not even the record for the Trotters that lead time. Glenfree Ty- Glen Typhoon uh, was the winner in the record lead time ever, and I'm trying to work out the race because Andy Gath is sending it through to me. It's forty was forty two point six. Wow. Um, we're going to shut this down in a moment. Unfortunately, Cliff, we can keep talking for another couple of hours. A couple of hours about this. Um, Act now is really good. He. He got the job done again. He's a he's another potential Grand Circuit star in the making. He sure is. He uh, he loves to get out in front and run. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a quirky character, but he uh, he woke up when the time was right and uh, hit the line really well. And I tell you what, he was on fire. But so was Jody. She gave you a right old whack. I tell you what, I'm going to catch up with Jody. I said, I said nothing but nice things in the form of him. He's a future Grand Circuit star. Um, so uh, might have been uh, her and Bruce Edward might have had a little chat and said, "Well, yeah, we'll take him down here." Once we, we I loved it. I actually loved it. Um, it's not easy to get referenced on air by a champion like Jody Quinlan. We might have to talk about it Friday some other time. It's been great chatting with you, and I think a, a super episode to match the magnitude of what we saw on Saturday night, Clevy. Well done, mate. Absolutely. It was fantastic. Thanks, Bon. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Trackside coming up with Samuel Zipping Highland and Campbell Brown. In just a moment, enjoy the next few hours and we'll be back for the Lids Fly. Peacock and I later on tonight. Goodbye. See ya.